Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. There was a gentleman in a town who had passed away, and the gentleman had quite a reputation as being a uh, bit of a scoundrel. Uh, he was known as the, the town drunk. He was involved in all sorts of nefarious dealings. And when he passed away, his brother came to the preacher and said, Preacher, I'm concerned that at my brother's funeral that his reputation may be uh, announced to the whole town. The preacher thought to himself, well, you know, the whole town knows the guy anyway. He says, but pastor, I'm gonna, I want to make you a deal. He says, I will give the church $100,000 if you will simply stand at my brother's funeral and tell the church and the town that, that he was a saint. The pastor thought for a moment was wondering how in the world he could possibly communicate to the community that this man who had such a reputation was, was anything, uh, anything but a saint. But he told the brother, he said, you know what, I'll, I'll take you up on that offer, and so I will stand at his funeral, and I will declare him to be a saint, and I will look for a check for $100,000 to go to the church. So the day the funeral arrived, and the pastor took his place at the head of the casket, and he said, dear people, I want you to know that the man who lies before you was a scoundrel. He was a womanizer, a drunk. He was known to be involved in all sorts of fighting and backbiting and cussing and all sorts of terrible, evil, wicked things. And the brother was beginning to fume as the preacher went on. But the pastor continued, and he said, but compared to his brother, this man was a saint. <laughs> we have reached the end of our journey through Moses' life. Thankfully, the funeral that is conducted for Moses doesn't involve any such dealings. As we've gone through this year looking at Moses, there were things le that were left untold. However, as we finish this kind of a marathon, it should give us a new appreciation for the man known as Moses. Many believe that he was the most important character in the Old Testament. Now, he was certainly far from perfect, but that's one of the most compelling dynamics about the Bible, you know, when you, when you stop and, and think about it. The Bible never presents its human characters as superheroes. The Bible presents all of its human characters with all of their flaws, with all of their imperfections. Their sins are always clearly presented. But it never presents its human actors as people who are perfect in every way. Instead, they're ordinary people who are put into service by an extraordinary God. And if we read our Bibles with that perspective, with that idea, then we see men like Abraham and, and Moses and David. They are not the main characters. If we think they are, then we've missed the point. The Bible is a book where God revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where that is the main character. And so Moses is nothing more than a supporting actor. 
However, if Academy Awards were being passed out for Best Supporting Actor in the Bible, Moses would certainly be one of the leading candidates for the award. There is a reason that Hollywood has attempted on more than one occasion to visualize Moses' life and his, his experience on the big screen. And where best for us to leave our journey through Moses' life than in Deuteronomy, the very last chapter, likely not written by Moses, but it does serve as the equivalent of Moses' obituary. Now, obituaries are usually penned by the survivors of the deceased, or in some cases, the deceased possess enough clarity of mind to pen his or her own obituary prior to their demise. But Moses' obituary is penned by God himself. If you've got your Bibles open to Deuteronomy chapter 34, I would invite you to stand, if you're able, in reverence to the reading of God's Word, the obituary of a man named Moses. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, as far as Dan, all of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. And so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died right there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed, his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. And then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And so the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Father, I thank you for the obituary of a godly man. I pray that as we consider Moses a hero of the faith, that these last words about him might challenge us today and might speak to us clearly. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look in chapter 34, there's some really important ideas that I want for us to consider before we close our journey. And as we look to what I am coining the obituary of Moses, the one thing that should jump to our attention is that it is as much about the Lord as it is about Moses. Now, remember who the main character is in the Bible. 
And that's God. And obviously this brief chapter isn't an exhaustive statement on the character of God, but there are three of God's attributes that warrant our attention this morning found in Deuteronomy 34. And the first of those attributes is this, God is faithful. You know, Moses' journey to the top of Mount Nebo, it was a gift to Moses, but it was also a reminder of God's faithfulness. He did it. He got them there. He kept every single one of his promises. Deuteronomy reported the view that Moses saw. You know, you can go today and visit Mount Nebo and get the exact same view that Moses had. Granted, the scenery has changed, but you can see the same land that Moses laid eyes on. One traveler went to the Holy Land and said it this way. He said, there's not much to see at Mount Nebo, but the view alone is worth the stop. From the top of Mount Nebo, you have an expansive view of the surrounding area from Jericho and Jerusalem to the Jordan Valley in the north. Jerusalem's only 40 kilometers, and on a clear day, the Mount of Olives there in western Jerusalem can be seen. From Mount Nebo, it's also possible to see the very northern tip of the Dead Sea. The brown rolling hills of the surrounding valleys are an incredible sight to behold. Over and over again, God proves himself faithful. Faithful to Moses, faithful to the people of Israel. Even on the worst days that Moses had, God was faithful. Even on the days of rebellion, the cloud didn't depart. Even on the days, there were 40 years of days when it seemed like the wilderness would never, ever stop. They woke up to daily bread, daily provision of their needs from a holy God. Folks, we need to remember that God's character hasn't changed one bit. Since the day he took Moses to the top of Nebo, God's character hasn't changed at all. And the same God who was faithful to Moses is faithful to you and I as well. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. It's been more than a couple thousand years since the days that Moses walked the earth. But God is as faithful to his church today as he was to his people Israel in that day. God is faithfulness and his faithfulness endures to all generations. If you ever find yourself wondering if God cares, wondering if God's given up, wonder if God has his eyes on you, I assure you today, church, that God is faithful. At the same time God is faithful, he's also just. When we think about God's character, one of the things that God possesses that we do not possess is, is balance. And not the ability to stand on one foot or walk across a, a tightrope. When I say balance, I, I mean that, that character balance, that personality balance. For example, 
I struggle with mercy. When James and John wanted to call fire down from heaven on that village, I was right there with them. You know, scorched earth, tear it down, because those people don't deserve mercy. Now, you may be somebody who shows a lot of mercy. And as a consequence, you're getting taken advantage of by everybody. At least that's what people with no mercy think, right? But when we look at God's character... He is faithful and merciful, but God is also just because his character is perfectly balanced. He doesn't weigh heavy on one and lack in the other. Where we, ha- where we're, we major in one area and we struggle in the other, God is perfectly balanced. He can be perfectly merciful yet totally just all at the same time. And we see his justness here in the fact that he reminds Moses that he will not be entering the promised land. I mean, how many of you, if you were in God's position, would look at all that Moses went through, and all he did was hit a rock out of turn, wouldn't you get him there and say, you know what, Moses, come on in. You know, come on in, Moses. We'll, we'll, We'll turn a blind eye to that. Come on in and cross the line. How many would be tempted to do that? Not God. God reminds Moses here, you're not going to enter the land. God's character is balanced. Yet at the same time, he shows Moses mercy by letting him see the land. He's not not beating Moses up over it. He's not reminding him with with a heavy hand, Moses, I told you so. You remember the day you hit that rock? Moses, you ruined it. God's not berating him about it. He's simply reminding Moses that his actions had consequences and the consequences that he can't enter the promised land. God is perfectly balanced in this. Reminding Moses again of the situation. It's the judgment of God against Moses because Moses didn't follow the instructions and and getting water from the rock. That was a real situation. There were real consequences to those sins. And here God just offers that reminder. And because God is just, men and women, we need to be more thankful for the gospel because it is the gospel that satisfies God's just character or just requirement for sin. The gospel takes care of that. If it weren't for the gospel, we would stand condemned in our sin. We would have no hope. But because God provided Jesus to pay the price for our sins, that his justice is satisfied and we receive grace the best news we can hear today. Jesus died in our place. He died for our sins. And in that solitary act, God satisfied his own requirements for justice, yet showed compassion on all those who would receive the good news of the gospel. And it is that third characteristic that we see there where we see God is compassionate. We serve a God who is compassionate. And here it's put on display. Moses died right there on Mount Nebo. And in what is a, a, an incredibly tender act of compassion and respect for the man known as the friend of God, what's God do? He buries him. He buries him. Where he buried Moses is a mystery. It's believed that God did this 
so the people would avoid setting up a shrine to Moses, creating some sort of stumbling block down the road. Moses' tomb did not become a, a holy site or a place of pilgrimage. And so God guarded the people against this sin by never disclosing the location of Moses' tomb. But in an incredible act of compassion, God took the body of Moses. How did he do it? I don't know. Did he use a shovel? We'll never know. But he buried his friend. I saw pictures online of a funeral home that was offering families the opportunity to participate in the burial of their loved ones. And they gave the family shovels and let them dig the hole. And the loved one was placed in a very primitive pine box. They were able to write little notes on the casket, the, the box with a Sharpie marker. Lower in the box into the hole, the family took shovels and refilled the grave. And some may say that's morbid. I look at that and say, what a phenomenal way for a family to be able to come together and love one another and say goodbye to their loved one. God shows compassion. He takes Moses' body, buries it, buries his friend. And so we see God's character on display in Moses' obituary. But beyond that, we begin to understand something of what finishing well looks like. And that's the second point today. Regardless of our age, we need to consider what finishing well looks like. Look at verses 7 and 8. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Whenever we're confronted with death, whether it's a death of a loved one or, or a death of a prominent person like we read about here in the Scriptures, we're almost always challenged to evaluate our lives in some capacity. It's a natural human reaction. When we are confronted with death, we also find ourselves thinking about our own lives and, and, and evaluating ourselves on some, level of, on some level or another. Yet we're, when we're confronted with Moses' death, you can't help but love how this happened. What an incredible way to go. Moses, look at this, he continued serving the Lord, leading the people until God took away his ability to do so. Uh, he went literally from being the man in charge of all these people at 120 years old. God said, go up the mountain, and that was it. The end. It's over. But the text here describes Moses' health at the end of his life. 120 years old. His eye was undimmed, and his vigor was unabated. He was a vibrant, healthy, 120-year-old man. I bet eating manna in the wilderness probably helped a lot with that. He had perfect nutrition from a divine source, probably better than what we eat on a daily basis. He was never unfit to lead, and he continued to serve until he couldn't, until it was over. The fact, of the, uh, the fact is this, the majority of us will not get to the end of our earthly lives with undimmed eyes and unabated vigor. In fact, a lot of us didn't get past 40 with undimmed eyes and unabated vigor. But regardless of how dim your eyes may be or how abated you may feel your vigor is, 
we must still consider what finishing well looks like. Yeah, I've done a lot of funerals in the past 20 years. And there have been some funerals of folks who've not finished so well. But I have done funerals, and what a blessing it is to do funerals for, some, for a saint who finished well, who served the Lord all the way to the hospice bed. One of my dearest friends passed away about seven years ago. He was a couple years older than I, but he was one of those guys that had an old, wise soul. You know people like that. They, 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 they mature quicker than their peers do, and, and though they're not, they're not yet old in their, in their years, they're old in their wisdom. And this was my friend. He was a deacon at our church. He had a rare form of cancer. He'd fought that cancer almost all of his life. And while he had some victory over it, that cancer eventually took its toll. One of the last times I saw him, we took our deacons over to his house because that's what deacons do. We're going to go pray over this man and encourage him and bless him because we're all going to go to his house. He's in his hospital bed. He's dying. And so, you know, deacons are going to swoop in and the pastor's going to swoop in and be the hero of this night. But as we gathered around his hospital bed, none of us spoke much. And instead, he spoke words of wisdom and blessing over each and every single man in the room. That night was probably one of the most meaningful, meaningful moments in my ministry. He didn't live much longer past that night. But he epitomized for me finishing well, even from a hospital bed. We all have to give serious consideration to what finishing well looks like. In churches today, there's a very unhealthy trend of retirement. Not retirement from work, but retirement from serving and giving and loving and, and being the church. And you will never find a biblical excuse for this. Now, abilities and callings change with time, but we never receive permission to stop loving, to stop serving, to stop giving, to stop being faithful to Jesus. And I would say this, the Christian life is far more than just attending worship services. And when we surrender our lives to Christ, men and women, it is a lifelong appointment. There is no retirement stepping away. That doesn't exist in the Christian life. And maybe it would help if we think about it in these terms. We make all kinds of plans for our lives. We plan our retirements. We plan our estates. We plan our health care. But I wonder, in all the planning that we make, have we planned what our service to the Lord might look like beyond today? Have you considered what finishing well really looks like in your life? And maybe you're a long way from an anticipated finish. But the question is, what can you do today to make sure that you're in a place in your professional retirement 
that will allow you to devote more and more time to the Lord. Did you know that our own International Mission Board, that we start taking up the Lottie Moon offering next week, did you know they have a program for folks who are retired? Seniors who want to be involved in a longer-term basis with the International Mission Board can apply for what's called the Master's Program. The Master's Program is designed for people who are 50 and over for two- or three-year assignments in different parts of the world. As a retired person, you can actually go and be a full-time missionary in unreached parts of the world, serving in whatever capacity God has blessed you. If you worked as an accountant before you retired, you can go be an accountant in the mission field and serve and help and help make sure that physical needs are met in the mission field. If you served as a, as a doctor or nurse or in the health care, you can actually retire from professional work and actually go put those, field, those careers to use in the service to the Lord as someone who is in their retirement. It's an incredible plan that you as a Southern Baptist Church should be supporting in, in, in many different ways. Perhaps your health today keeps you close to home. There's still abundant opportunities to serve the Lord. All it takes is a willingness to finish well. You know, at the end of our lives, it doesn't really matter how we're evaluated by man, rather how we are evaluated by God. Look again at verses 10 and 12, 10 through 12. Again, these are God's words about Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. When we look at Moses' life, we can't help but note that he has quite a list of incredible accomplishments. From a literary standpoint, Moses, other than what I think, it probably didn't write this chapter. Moses wrote the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and all but the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Moses wrote these. It's one of the most enduring literary works in the history of the human race. It's called the Torah. It's, it's honored by Christians and Jews and Muslims. And Moses is the author of those five books. From a political standpoint, Moses was responsible for helping a nation to be born, from delivering millions of people from slavery, from enabling them and establishing them to embrace a new legal code. From a political standpoint, Moses went face to face with the most powerful man in the world. He's a real deal. From a leadership standpoint, He's dealt with controversy, challenges to his authority, yet he still managed to lead this group of people on one of the most difficult journeys that the human race has had to endure. His list of accomplishments could get very, very long if we were to just sit down and make a list. But what truly matters both at the end of each day and at the end of our lives, is simply this. What does God think?
in his evaluation of Moses, what does God think? Simply put, there's never been anybody like him. Nobody can compare. That's what God thinks. I want to ask you what is a hard question, but it's one that each of us should be able to answer. And if we're not able to answer it, then we need to spend time in the Bible to make sure we know what the answers are. The question is this. How do you think God evaluates your life, your character, your attitude, your works? What is God's evaluation of your words? What is God's evaluation of your motives? One day, a preacher will likely stand at the head of your casket and will probably say all kinds of nice things about you. And even if they're not nice, he's probably just kidding to try to lighten the mood and get a laugh out of folks. I've never been to a funeral as a guest or as an officiant where anybody said anything publicly mean or unkind. I've been to some that have gotten close. But I've never been to a funeral where somebody from here said anything nasty about somebody in the casket. But what does God say? You know, I believe there are countless saints who've never amounted to much earthly fame. Never wrote a book. Never made a fortune. Never invented anything that changed the world. Never found a cure for any disease. Never filled a concert hall with their songs. Never had anything of consequence named after them. But there's countless saints like that who gave tirelessly their entire lives. Whether their mission field was in the church nursery, in the middle of Africa, or in the pulpit of some small church in the middle of nowhere, they gave, and they gave, and they gave, until God said, enough. And when God said, enough, then God said, well done. When we walk away from Moses' obituary, we should be asking the simple question, today and every day, when God looks at our lives, when he weighs our actions, when he considers our motives, when he listens to our words, when he checks our calendars, when he looks at the body of everything that we do, does God look and say, well done. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 
1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.